So one of the greatest things about hospitality is sometimes you get some cool gigs to do in terms of things like judging awards. And what's so great about when you judge awards is that A, the people are really nice to you because they want to win, but also you meet some of the greatest people in hospitality. And that happened to me when I was judging for the Publican Awards. And that man is Philip Turner, who's founder of Chestnut Group. It was such a joy to have Philip on because he, as a human he effervesces excitement about people and about hospitality and it is exactly the right values and the right DNA that you need to be successful in hospitality. This is a people business and if you aren't excited about waking up every morning and serving other people and making them happy, then it probably is the wrong industry. In fact, I had a boss a long time ago and he said, you know, if you're not excited about working in marketing, then you should probably bleep off to accounts. Um, no offence to any accounts people. So it's a great chat with Philip. Thanks so much to Charlie, the people director over there at Chestnut for setting up the episode and suggesting that we chatted. With Philip, it's really weird, we've hardly met, um, but we've spoken on occasion and also we had that great time at the judging, but I really feel like he's an old friend and we really get each other and I got so much energy back from him for, at the end of the episode, it was just absolutely delightful to chat. I think you're going to get a lot out of it and if you follow what Philip's doing and how he's doing it and you implement that in your own business, then... I don't think you can go far wrong. Supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business and beyond to hear tips, tricks and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. And now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. VitaMojo is proud to be the headline sponsor of the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. VitaMojo transforms chaos into confidence for hospitality operators worldwide, empowering brands to streamline order management and take control of their business. With its flexible end-to-end -end order management system, VitaMojo gives you one central place to manage your menu across every channel, brand and location. But VitaMojo is much more than an out-of-the-box software solution. The VitaMojo team are with you every step of the way, providing the partnership you need, the technology you want and the experience your guests deserve, all in one place. VitaMojo will help you adapt to whatever the world throws at your hospitality business. For more information, visit vitamojo.com slash supersonic. So it gives me the most conquering, get it? Conquering? Chestnut? No. Uh, pleasure ever <laughs> to introduce the award-winning and someone who's taken the world of hospitality by storm. It's Philip Turner, who's the founder 
of Chestnut Group. Hello. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good to see yeah, you. Yeah, good to see you. And, and I know this is going to be audio, but uh, we were just saying uh, how great your, your spectacles were. You were looking, you were rocking it. You were rocking it. I did have you in mind when I found these in some <laughs> in, in Spain in the summer, but no, I, well, I'm, I'm proud, to, proud to wear them with you. Very good. Yeah, yeah, twins, twins. Um, so where in the world are you today? Uh, we've got, so the, so the centre of our business um, geographically is, is not far from Newmarket, so just off the A14. So we've, we've got our, our central operating um, business, it's called The Tavern. Where we've got, you know, our, uh, we've got a central reservations team here uh, because we take reservations across the business from from one place. Finance team are here, a uh, bit of ops, um, and we've had we've had some visitors this morning from the old bridge in Huntington, which was the acquisition that we made in in August of this year. Great. And people are based here, and but but I'm very I'm really keen. Um, it's it's interesting actually. Is a you know one of the things that you know a COVID situation was that. I love the rhythm of an office. I love mm. the rhythm of people. Um, and, you know, I really, you know, I, we, I encourage as many people as they can to work either, you know, out in the field with our teams or here. Is that, you know, we're a hospitality business. We're, we're not, we're not work from home people. Yeah. So is that like blanket across the business? There's like no hybrid working or? Well, no, no. There's hybrid working. So yeah. some of our central res team got phone lines set up at home because that mm. suits childcare. But I think if, if working, you know, is, is that, you know, clearly all the people working in properties, you know, you can't work from home. If you're a no. chef in the kitchen, that's, that's not going to work. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, is that, you know, part and parcel of it is to create a, a, an equal balance, actually, which is, you know, all of the people in the properties have got to be in place of work. And so I like to think that the majority of people here are in place of work. And, and also, we're a hospitality business. It's about people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I've had a little bit of a moment lately where I think I withdrew too much. You know, I think I was so busy pre-COVID and I was all over the world all the time and, you know, you didn't get a minute to yourself and all that. And when COVID came, I was actually like, oh, thank God for that. You know, I just needed a wee break. And then I never quite got back up to speed again. And it's only been lately uh, a couple of things happened, which is now making me go out even if i you know i can work from home mostly really you know it, it's fairly simple what i do i suppose in terms of you know you don't have to be there and i'm always in other people's offices anyway and all that but um yeah i really had a moment so i went down to folkestone for a board meeting for one of my clients and uh it was massive there was tons of people and it's just a nice business and i always think with them what's the catch but they're just genuinely nice people you know it's it's, it's rare right and um I just came away buzzing and I was like, wait a minute, I actually get my energy from other people. And also, you know, if I'd sat in Brighton on that call and made the points I was making, what I feel that you miss, and I don't mean he's sound like an old guy and whatever, but what I feel you miss is like the nuances of body language or the chemistry in the room or a certain look or what you've said or, you know, and that's where I feel like all that magic sort of happens so i'm just trying my best now to be out somewhere rather than sitting 10 steps from my bed and my flat you know it's uh it doesn't really help it doesn't work productivity no or, or creativity or any of these things it's where i get my energy yeah i know, no, I, know, I, know I know i'm very i mean i think actually post-covid and lots of other things going on is awareness is such an important thing to focus on 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in many, many different walks of life, um, awareness of how you feel, awareness about situations impact you, awareness of other people and the value can they can add to your lives, all that type of stuff. And I think that, you know, awareness of the, the strength and the energy that I certainly get from other people, whether it's talking to a guy at a bar in one of our places without knowing who I am or why I'm there, mm. just having that conversation. You can always learn. There's so much to learn from other people's stories. What type of things do you hear then when you do that undercover boss bit? Look, I'm not, it's not, I'm not going undercover. I, 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 look, yeah, I started off in this business, Mark, really because I, 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 I'm, I'm a pub guy. I like going to pubs. I like, I like standing, not sitting, mm-hmm. being by the bar. I like, I, I love the fact that you can, you, you, you create this, it's a very equalizing environment. And, mm. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how much money you've got. When you stand outside of the bar and you order a pint of beer, everybody's treated the same. Mm. And I, I, I love that environment. And that creates a very safe space for people to interact with one another who wouldn't normally in the course of life interact with one another. And so if you think about this, like one of the, the, the great, you know, sort of like society breakdowns, which is, you know, and I, I think there is there's something in the papers yesterday or today about I think there's now less than a hundred thousand yeah, in the UK that are that have got an alcohol license. And you know, one of the you know, we'll talk about community, but one of the one of the things that I, I, I find very distressing is the number of local communities who've lost the village shop, lost the village hall, lost the village pub, and there is no meeting point for people within that village. And, you know, one of the things that we actively try and, enc- well, we don't actively try and encourage, we do it, is that we put on coffee and cake mornings. We'll do mince pie, mulled wine evenings. This is all on us. This is all free. And this is for yeah. local people within the community. But that sort of almost cliche Friday night, Sunday lunchtime, when a bunch of people go to the village pub and you can have, you know, you, you can have the, the, the blow-ins from London who bought the big house in the village in the pub. You can have the fourth generation village people in the pub. And uh, along that bar, they're all the same. Yeah. And and I think that this is, you know, and I get into trouble for saying this, is that prostitution and pubs, the two oldest, you know, um, professions in this country. Yeah. And yeah, they've gone for thousands of years and they and they've both got they've got a very, very different role in society, but they've got a very permanent role in society mm. to the extent, particularly in the case of the pubs. Is that what I talk about quite a lot? Is 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 that how the pubs had to evolve over time in order to be able? And you know, if for those pubs that have refused to acknowledge the change in society, the impact of smoking ban, the need for food, and all the other bits and pieces, it's really really tough. But I think that you know, the the pub as a concept is an evolving, um, is an evolving thing. And I think that one of the things that when we first started off was, is it possible? to to create uh, uh, yeah, a hospitality asset that is appealing to those people who want great food, is appealing to the people in the village that want to go for a beer on a Friday night, and is also appealing to those people who are willing to spend 200 quid on a bedroom. In other words, and, and, we've, and what, just as we, were, we set up the pack course, is that there, was a, there was an article, uh, I think by Susan Darcy in the Sunday Times, uh, in the travel section, and it was when the Bamfords were opening Wild Rabbit, 
and it said posh pubs are in and i was like i remember looking at that thing phew not that we ever want to be posh but we are we're ambitious in terms of what we do from a from a quality perspective but yeah. at the same time trying to you know to, to retain all of the core ingredients that you'd expect in a village pub and you know it's a it's a tightrope you know the balancing baton is pretty tough you know you're trying to keep a lot of people happy and you know and i think that that's the that that's the trick really is is trying to work out how to do exactly that yeah well i mean i, I think quality is is you know I, well i think quality and warmth are are the things that i would say about you guys you know and that's from meeting you and knowing the team and and doing that judging at the, at the public and you know it's just coming out of you and i think you know with a client i had lately we were talking about value for money but i actually feel that's the wrong metric because then people go to cheapness or you know and i think value for quality should become a metric and and i think that's a very different thing where people feel that they've maybe spent more than going to a spoons or whatever but what they've got back is something different um you know i think that's something to measure but just you're reminding me there actually a, a, a billy Connolly joke when uh about everyone standing at the bar and uh he was talking about the middle classes you know and everyone being equal and all this and he said uh, there was a working class guy, a really rich guy, and a, and a middle class guy. And a middle class guy says to the rich guy, you know, how much would you get if you sold your house? And he's going, oh, well, millions and all the rest of it. And then he says to the working class guy, what would you get if you sold your house? And he goes, about six months in prison as a council house. <laughs> so <laughs> just get along the bar. But, you know, when I think that's one of the best ways to do it, right? Which is... Um, managing by walking about and it was certainly something we did in prep you know being in the shops talking to the teams talking to people um that are out there and you know i'm sure you'll get a lot of feedback that's useful to then implement in terms of ideas and it's much more valuable i would say than an anonymous post on google reviews and all these things i mean i, I think that you know, right from right from the right from when we started 10 years ago it was it was always it was never about it was never about me. It was always about we were trying to create this brand, Chestnut. And so we, ten years ago we were tiny, but we wanted to appear big. And now we're a bit bigger and we spent our life trying to appear tiny. <laughs> which is just how it goes. Yeah. And I think that and so it it was always about trying to build you know, sort of like those core values around a brand. And then if you can build those core values around a brand and you can then um, infuse and empower people who work with you to carry them. Then the whole idea is you can you can build the brand from within, and you can build the perception of the brand from within. And you you want people to to live, act, breathe, and basically just to resonate the brand. And I think that by doing that, and by by, by having a fairly tight rein on, you know, and, and I so to, to your point is I do I do what I call a you know I, I do a a cultural roadshow and i just go it's a bit like painting the fourth bridge by the time you finish you go back yeah. and start again and and i tend to do most of this stuff which is sit down with yeah a team 10 12 14 16 people whatever it is never any slides or anything like that and just talk and and part of that is to make people understand that yeah i'm a very accessible individual um i i i hate being called boss or anything like that i don't yeah. that doesn't happen at all is that and what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to i'm trying to encourage people 
to to think that yeah, there's there's yeah, the, the biggest, the, the most important thing for this whole business is creating a career pathway for people. Yeah, that that's what we that's why we do what we do from an internal perspective. Um, that's that 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 that's what fuels a lot of our growth. In other words, we want to continue creating a pathway. We want to see people develop, but equally, there are people in our business who've done the same job for ten years, and that's exactly what they want. And, yeah, being respectful of, of individual wishes is 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 hugely important. And I think this is where it becomes quite complicated because you're effectively constantly adapting and tailoring your development approach as far as people are concerned, almost to individuals as opposed to a collective group of people. Um, and I think that, you know, and, 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 and what's the output from all of that? And it's kind of an odd output, but, you know, we've got five, we've spawned five businesses from people who've worked at Chestnut. People have gone on to set their own business up. And one of the best stories out of that is that somebody comes on to the academy program, spends two years learning, does, re- does well going through the organization, leaves us to set up a wine bar, which, is, which just won a really big Muddy Stilettos award, and is now a customer of our wine business. So he's gone from academy trainee to employee to lever to new business owner to client. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, what a great story that is. Yeah. It's really important because, um, you know, I, I think of this often, which is, it's about how you let someone leave or, you know, and you work with them when they leave. And for all, I didn't enjoy my time at Barclay Card when I worked there too much. Um, they really had a strong sense of that, though, because they even thought they eventually, you know, might just be a Barclay Card customer, you know. And I was reminded of it the other day, I was watching the, the Brighton-Liverpool game. And at the end, Deserby, the, the Brighton manager, came out and grabbed McAllister, who's went to Liverpool, yeah. and took him over to the Brighton fans. And, and you think, who does that? I mean, what a great leadership management. You've left us, but you're a big part of where we are, you know, which yeah. I just thought was great leadership. Well, fun enough, we, I, I, post-COVID, um, lots of things happened post-COVID, but post-COVID, is the you know, and, and I think that was a massive inflection point for us. And I'm sure mm. we'll talk about COVID in a second. But we, I set up, we set up an, um, an, an alumni for all of our yeah, people who used to work for us. Brilliant. And the reason for doing that was, well, Chestnut Live, which we were in the process of organizing at the time, I wanted to make sure there were some people who contributed to Chestnut over the years and they were given the opportunity to come. Mm. But actually, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a goldfish bowl. The hospitality, particularly from a regional perspective, and you know, is that people who've worked for us um, can either be our worst enemies or our, our biggest advocates in terms of recruitment from other people. Uh, they're probably going to continue to, and, and alumni people who used to work for us continue to benefit from the discount that, that across our businesses. And so I want people, I, I want them to be pr- proud of the time they've had here, and I want them to talk well about Chestnut. And I think that that whole alumni concept and treating those people. I mean, I, I am, you know, if people leave us and, and, and go to a, 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 you know, a career progression opportunity, I'm delighted. Frustrated that we haven't done it ourselves, but I'm delighted for the individual. People who leave us to move sideways, I go mad. I just mm. drive absolutely mad. And because? Know, because, well, because it means that we haven't treated them correctly. In other words, is that we haven't, we haven't done what we should be doing. I think it's because... And sometimes I was dealing with somebody the other day. It's really difficult, Mark, is that, you know, 
you know, we've got a few more years on some of these people and you've seen a few more things than they've seen. Um, but and you have to sort of like you almost have to recalibrate your mind to how you were 30 years ago when as to how you make decisions. But sometimes, you know, I, I, I and, I, and I, one of my one of my Achilles heels is that I, I have this sort of like assumption that people know what's going on inside my head. And so when 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 I've got a growth plan or a trajectory or ideas or implementation of stuff and people behave like they don't know about it. I'm like, well, why would you do that? This is what we're going to do. And then tell us, well, Philip, we had no idea you were going to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that sort of thing. So, you know, um, but I think that, that most importantly, our job is to provide the context, the environment, the support, and the funding, and the understanding to be able to take people through a career pathway in hospitality and some of the other, you know, sideline businesses that come with it, whether it's finance, marketing, ops, all that type of stuff, to make sure that they've got, you know, we're here to 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 to, to provide the, the the an ever increasing set of opportunities for people to benefit from, and you know, the the focus on recruiting from within. I think forty percent of our recruitment decisions this year have been internal promotions. And that's a massively important thing for me, hugely. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, I was seeing stats for the industry that were pretty much the other way. And yeah. you're just like, and, and again, it's, you know, not talking about football too much, but there's a lesson in that, right? You know, where, you know, when an academy system's set up properly, when you do have someone leading it that really understands the club and you don't change managers, you know, every six months, um, then it seems to work out. But in terms of the career pathway, I'm, I'm really interested in that because one of, the things I've I've been thinking about a lot over the last little while was how do we reward and recognize people that don't want to go up in that vertical fashion, you know? So as you say, when someone's just great at their job and they're happy with the lot, um, it is quite tough to keep them because there will be a salary cap and a thing and a this and that. And and I feel like in this country we've not quite nailed that, but in America they seem to have done it really well with the tipping culture and all that. So and also everyone doesn't make a great manager, right? So no, no, I, I, and I think so. So we're, we're constantly on the search for um, ways in which I, I think I, I'm a I'm a big you know do people do 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 people feel like they belong? Mm. Yeah, you know, what's their sense of belonging? Yeah, we don't want people fitting in. We want people who truly believe they belong within within our business, and they they sign up to who we are, and what we what we seek to achieve. Now, you know, you've as you say, you've kind of got development and training and all the other bits and pieces, which suit some people who want to climb that vertical career ladder. But there's also there's other people who, um, you know, so for example, you know, we we do we do quite a lot of charity initiatives. And uh, we've done, you know, cyclist affairs and we've done a whole heap of stuff. And I can think of one or two people who have, you know, on that, on that in that cyclist safari environment, who have who 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 are big cyclists, and they've led from within that cycling environment, and they've it's given them a a sense of purpose that is separate from what they do on a work basis. And this is not about progression. It's not about you know um, seeking to to kind of to travel a career ladder. It's just you've got to find the thing that gets people going. And, you know, particularly for those people who want to travel a, you know, sort of like a fairly consistent career ladder, you've got to find something else. You've got to find whether or not they want to be involved in organizing something different. Do they want to be involved in community-led initiatives? 
You know, those are the types of things that I t you tend to see are those types of people. Yeah. And, you know, our whole community initiative engagement process has been, you know, again, post-COVID is, has been, we've just, we've changed things up massively. And I think that, you know, a lot of the decisions that we now make around community and people have, have come, come ahead of, I've definitely put ahead of profit. And yeah. that was not the case pre-COVID. Yeah. Well, we'd be nice to tug in that thread actually about community because I know it's a big part of it and, you know, you're, you're such a people first business. I slightly bulk a bit when pub people go on about community because actually they, they, they cheapen it by just, they don't actually do it for the community. It's kind of they open their doors and that's about it. With you, it's very, very different, and it's very, very considered. You know, as, as as most things that you do. So, you know, you've mentioned some of the things you're doing for community, but you know, can you give some insight into that, and also what you're what you're sort of getting credit for out of it, but also some tips for others about how they yeah, might okay, do so, it properly. So, last week, true story. Last week, I was meeting. Uh, uh, my CFO lives in, uh, doesn't live around here, so he stays up you know, one or two days a week. And I was having a um, meeting with three blackbirds. Park my car. I'm walking towards the the, the 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 entrance of the bar at three blackbirds, and I can hear music, like boom, boom, music. And I'm like, Jesus, what's going on here? I walk in, and there's there's, there's noise coming from you know, the the room next to the bar. And I said to one of the guys behind the bar. So, What's going on tonight? And I said, oh, it's, it's bingo night. I'm like, okay, and sit down, get a beer, and then um, so we we did the first bingo night, you know, and this was at Three Backbones, and about you know six months ago, seven months ago, and I think that you know, the, and, and, and ten years ago, someone said to me that we were going to be running a bingo night at one of our pubs. I'd be like, no, we're not. We don't. Do that. <laughs> anyway, um, so and then I'm sitting there. And I then all of a sudden there's, uh, there's Trish on the mic next door, and she says, oh, "Look, we understand Philip's in the house now. We'd love some chips. Um, do you think, as Philip's in the house, he'll give us some free chips? I don't. know. Someone will see me, whatever." And I'm so I'm sitting there, I'm laughing, and then she does it again. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to take it. So I go next door, and she was like, "Oh my god, he's now walked in the room," and uh, I said, "Give me the microphone." So I took the microphone and I said to everyone, right, chips on the house, whatever. But then I just talked for five minutes about, you know, what it means in terms to us. So there was 60 people there doing bingo. The highlights of that were most of them all live in around the village. Um, that was the pub that burned down that we rebuilt. And so, you know, the village had got a very you know, high opinion of who we are, what we've done, and the way in which we did it. But, but the thing that I found most rewarding about that is that John who runs the pub, Ali who works in the pub and John with his wife, they were there at the bingo night as a participant. Mm. So you talk about people pay lip service to community. I will offer you that. That's a true example of non-lip service. The guy yeah. who runs the pub is with the people playing bingo. And I think I totally agree with what you're saying. It's a really easy thing to talk about because it sounds good but actually it requires a set that I mean a series of very defined actions um it, it requires specific types of people who understand what community means 
Mm. And and that is not about, you know, on the whole, if people, I remember early days of the pack force is that, you know, I'd guesstimate that probably less than 5% of our revenue came from within a mile of the pub. In other words, 95 was with the people coming in. And you sort of, at the beginning, you use that as an excuse to talk about community but never do anything about it because you think no money comes from here. And then all of a sudden, like I got a WhatsApp message from someone who lives in uh, one of the villages where I've just put a new general manager in. And it's quite a vocal village. And he sent me a WhatsApp message saying, Phil, just to let you know, pops into the pub on Saturday, Ian, the new guy, sorted out the TV, sorted out a room for us, couldn't have been more charming, a massive asset to your business. Brilliant. And I tell you, I read that. It's just like, you want to you jump, you want to shout from the rooftops. Because yeah. if you can, and then we look at other bits and pieces, like up at the, the Globe in Wells, which is Wells and Ecstasy, big tourist hotspot up in North Norfolk, is that... Uh, uh, two weeks ago, we had a, uh, the, a, a quiz night in there and we were raising money for the RNLI. There's, a, there's obviously a lifeboat in Wells. Mm-hmm. And um, we, the, the, the quiz night raised, I don't know, 250 quid. We tipped another, we, we, we said we'd do, a, we'd do a funding match out of our own Giving Tree Foundation. And part of your question was, what do you expect back from it? Is that the, R, the RNLI then posted a story on, their, in, on Facebook saying, Held a quiz last night at the Globe in Wells. Fantastically well looked after by the team there. Managed to raise 400 quid, whatever. That goes out on the RNLI website or on their Facebook account. Mm. And so therefore, you know, they, they're actively promoting what we've done for the benefit of them. And, and it's kind of like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Mm. But I think yeah. what, where that manifests itself into data is that, you know, we, you, know, it's a, you don't imagine there are too many tourists in um, in Wells in January, but if we track our like for like January sales year on year, is where we're seeing most growth. Yeah, and that is off the back of community engagement. Yeah, it feels um, like doing the right thing is always the right thing. Like you, you shouldn't overthink it. You know. No, but I think it's it's one of those things whereby again is that you know is that we we can we can talk about training and development and people strategy and all the other bits and pieces, but None of that is relevant unless you've got culture. Yeah. Um, and, and culture is that is that is that that X fact, that thing within your DNA, which you cannot switch on overnight. Mm. It it takes years and consistency in which to build. And I think that, you know, this was something that, you know, this is where COVID gave gave us the time and the effort. And certainly me, the time to reflect on what we were trying to achieve. And I think I've been, I probably, I was spinning that wheel like a mouse mm. as it, you know, what do we do? Where do we spend money? You know, uh, wh- how do we invest in people? Do we need to pay more people? Recruitment price? Because the whole recruitment issue starts in 2016. Yeah. It didn't start, you know, COVID and all that type of stuff. Mm. And I think then what happened is that during COVID, just it, it, as, I, as I suddenly realized that the role that we had in people's lives went way beyond their shift work or went way beyond the pay packet they got. We were an integral part of people's lives. Yeah. And when you, when, you, when you fully recognize and realize that, and it, and, it, and it gives you that sense of responsibility of, okay, I'm not just responsible for these people putting food on the table. My responsibility goes far wider than that. And so therefore, you know, this, 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 this people resource 
isn't just a necessary resource we need to operate our business. It's an incredibly sensitive and important part of who we are as a business. Yeah. And so then that's where we started really looking at how can we build culture? How can we engage with people? How can we put people first? And we made all those decisions like, you know, closing the business in 2020, 21, well, 21, 21 and 22 for Christmas mm-hmm. to give Christmas back to our teams. Yeah. We then, you know, chestnut line, shut the business for a whole day, put on a festival that everyone can share and they can meet from other, you know, you know a whole series of decisions were made in COVID, which today now are manifesting themselves to the extent of exactly what you said, which is doing the right thing is the right thing. But it takes it takes a while to get to that position to recognize because there's a latency for it. Mm-hmm. Six months, 12 months, 18 months. You don't see the benefits for quite a prolonged period of time. But when you start seeing the benefits, it then just gives you that confidence to go at it even harder, and particularly around culture and people. Big question. Why do you think you're wired this way? Because, you know... It's rare I speak to someone and they think like you do. And, and, and you know, and I felt the warmth from second one of our, our public and judging, right? And I was like, yeah, this guy really cares. Like, was it inbuilt in you? Was it the change from what you used to do before? Like, where's well, all this I, I coming think, from? I think it's, I mean, this is a, it's a second career. I was, I was a banker for 20 years of my life. And so <laughs> this was, uh, yeah, so, so I, I come into this business with with complete vulnerability to the extent I'm I, I've I've always been I've always been a, I've always loved going to pubs I've always been a great customer of pubs but I've never been an operator and so therefore you know being you, you, your immediate sense is I know nothing about this so therefore I'm going to learn and you know and 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 I there have been many meetings in in my second career where I'm probably the most senior person in the room because of my role or whatever. And someone was talking about saying, and I say, look, what does what do you mean by that? Or what does that what does that actually mean? Mm. And, and and I never would have asked that question in my in my in my first career in banking because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted to show any form of vulnerability. So number one is vulnerability is incredibly important. Secondly, I'm fundamentally a people person. I I I I, I truly believe that you know, you can learn something from everybody you come across. Everybody has a unique story. And it's unbelievably disrespectful not to give those people the time and the effort, not to give those people the time to share it with you. And I think it's very arrogant. You can't be bothered to listen. Mm-hmm. So therefore, and, and, and because we're in the service industry now and we are so reliant on, on, on people and, and, you know, the, the, the importance of how they magnify the set of values that we have, that doesn't happen without significant investment and empathy mm-hmm. from whoever's running the business, I think anyway. Um, and and I think that you know my the greatest source of empowerment that I've 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 derived out of what we've been doing in terms of chestnut has been to watch something that didn't exist that I started is now the engine that is enabling people to follow their dreams or to progress in their career or to meet people or basically to do things that wouldn't happen had we not done what we've done. Yeah. And being able to watch that happen in real time just makes you feel fantastic because it's a great sense of energy and that and it's a self-perpetuating energy pot. The more you do, the more energy you get. 
And people say, haven't you had enough of this? You know, why, why do you want to spin more plates? Yeah. It's, it's, it's because it's a self-perpetuating positive energy experience for me. Yeah. And, and I guess it will make you feel extremely fulfilled. Hugely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I, so for our, for our 10 year, uh, we do this thing called In a Nutshell, which is a great publication we put mm-hmm. together, which is not just about chess stuff. It's about, it's about the region. It's about people within the region. It's about stories and it's about product, about provenance of, and it's about farmers. It's about, you know, guys who've grown up, a whole heap of stuff. And, um, so Tori, who, you know, runs Martin. Yeah. So Philip, can you do an introduction? And I, I was like, oh, God, okay. And then, so I sat down about, about that month ago and I, I said, well, how am I going to do this? So I thought, I know, I'm going to write a letter to myself. Today, I'm going to write a letter to myself 10 years, so when I set the business up. And the final line in that was the, the day this becomes a job, it's all over. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, and I finished, and, I, and, and, and I, I said at the end of that, is that this, and, and, you know, this is not a job for me. This is, a, this is something that's become very much part of me, and it's, it's had a huge, huge impact on my life. And the sense of fulfillment, I, I derive from it is there's also two periods of extreme frustration. Mark. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. This, this is this is not some utopian journey. No. Um, but the, the the fulfillment that one gets, and that's what gives you the energy. And I'm a big yeah. energy believer. Well, I, I just love the fact that you're practically effervescing, <laughs> which I quite enjoy. You know, because there's so many people just go, oh God, you know, another day, and you know, uh, you know, I've I've met you on a handful of occasions, but every time. You can't fake that, right? You're playing it like it's Wembley every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is well, great. Being a big attractive boy, it feels a bit like that at the moment. This is <laughs> so just going back to the group then. So just for anyone that doesn't know, um, so pubs, restaurants as part of the pubs and pubs rooms. Do. We do yeah. pubs and groups. That's what we do. Yeah. And then um, how many now? So we've got we've got sixteen operating businesses and we're in the process of building a seventeenth up in North Norfolk. We've got about two hundred bedrooms across the portfolio. We've got about six hundred people who work with us um to to to, to deliver yeah that chestnut experience to our data to our to our guest portfolio. And you have seventeen kids. Do you have a favorite? Can you say? Um I I no, I don't have I, I have a favorite for you know different times of the week. Right. And, and so, you know, if it's if it's six o'clock in the morning and I want to walk on the beach with my dogs, I probably want to be by the ship um, on the you know, the beach of Dunwich. If it's a you know wet Sunday afternoon and it's Sunday lunch, I'll probably be at the Blackbirds because it's you know low ceilings, inclement fireplace, and just feels warm. Yeah. Um, if if uh, if I if I'm if I'm uh, taking the bank manager out for lunch and I want to think we've got a phenomenally successful business, I'll, I'll deliberately take him out on a Monday lunchtime. I'll take him to the Crown at Sturbine Nayland and get there at one fifteen, and hopefully I won't be able to park my car. And I'm already done by that stage. Um, if it's a if it's a dark sort of day, you know, we've got a couple of places, the Weeping Willow and the Carpenter's Arms, which have got massive glazed extensions, and so there's mm-hmm. a huge amount of light in there. You know, if I've got the dogs and they're wet off the beach and I fancy a beer in the evening sun, I go to the Globe and Well. So, you know, yeah. I have time yeah. the yeah. 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 Brilliant. And just going back to the brand then. So um, the brand, the values, the culture, what is the DNA of the brand? You know, if, if you're summing that up, you know, how would you describe that to people? So, you know, 
the, 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 the chestnut of Brad, I mean, so I mean, if, if I talk about the origins of the name, is because that helps. Is a uh, you know, chestnut as in tree. Um, the reason we're called chestnut is that I'd always believed that yeah, you know, the pub had a, a core central role in community. Um, it should be a sense of permanence. It should put down roots. Um, you know, it should grow. It should continue growing over time. It's got to evolve with seasons in the same way that you know trees lose their tree, lose their leaves, and regain their leaves. And so it's a it's a continually evolving thing. So therefore, I wanted a tree. And the only tree name that wasn't registered at company's house for a, for, a, for a business was Chestnut. So that was the reason why Chestnut was there, which gives you a bit of an insight into, into you know, from a values perspective. Is the values that we, we think about you know, genuine? So in other words, you know, is that it is what it is. You screw up, you screw up. We try not to screw up. Let's, but if we do screw up, let's be, be honest about it. You know, we're dealing with, we're dealing with, we're dealing with the general public, we're dealing with food, we're dealing with supplies, we're dealing with buildings. We're, you know, there's plenty of things that can go wrong on a, on a daily basis. Let's just kind of just do the best we can with what we've got. Um, in terms of community, we've already talked about at length. Um, and secondly, it's about you know, fun. But when I talk about fun, I'm not talking about you know, jumping around the corner. I'm talking about fun as in you know, when you walk in the building, it's like, morning, Mark, how you do? I mean, not I like Joey from France, but it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. about that engagement with people, that natural engagement with people, whereby we want to, we want to create, um, you know, we, we want to create an environment where people feel welcomed, where people feel relaxed, where people feel like we share the same sense of excitement that they do about them being out. Yeah, It's not a process for us. Uh, it's it's just it's a shared experience, and I think that you know that's 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 who we are. That's what we're trying to do. Now, you know, we don't. It's it's not about having three rosette food or doing this. It's whatever we whatever we try and do, we try and do well. And so, great example. You know, we've got hundreds of examples of that. Is that you know we're 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 trying at the moment. You know, we've got a pretty big database at the moment. Uh, you know, nearly two hundred thousand people on our database, but over twenty thousand people within our loyalty scheme and all that type of stuff. And people are making demands on us. I think they want more out of us as a brand. And, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to try and navigate that. And so rather than just kind of have a cracker, you know, creating a Shopify account and trying to sell a few bits and pieces, you know, we're getting we're doing some work. In really trying to understand what our guests expect us to do, expect from us. And so consequently, when we do something, we want to align it with what their expectations are. And we want to make sure that we've got the procurement and the logistics. And, you know, and, and as I said, you know, I was talking to a team the other day and they wanted to experiment with something. I said, you know, let's not experiment. Let's do some work. We're going to do it. We'll do it properly. And I think that one of the you alluded to it right at the beginning is that, you know, we're private, you know, we've got a shareholder base, but we're privately owned. And one of the things that we've always, I've always done, I've always, I've always grown our central operating pub ahead of our revenue. In other words, not grow the business and then run around like lunatics trying to fix all the problems that you, you've, you've created because you didn't have enough people. And whenever, you know, sort of like institutional money or private equity money is looking at businesses like this, they always or they they'll, they'll look at our business and say, well, you know, your 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 head office overhead is a bit high right? your revenue. So we're we're going to grow into it, you know. Yeah. We, and, and and I think we we now here we are ten years later, and it's kind of interesting. Is I think we've we've established this muscle memory pattern that we grow our operating unit ahead of revenue, and then when you onboard that new revenue, 
it, you are onboarding it into a stable space. And that's all about maintaining. Uh, that's a core component, I think, about maintaining your brand familiarity and consistency with your guests. And that's yeah. what we'll always try and do. I think it's what the smartest operators do. I mean, look, you don't want to take so much of a chance that you go to business. But even way back, I mean, I remember, you know, I think it was Nando's. I went for an interview years ago as marketing director. He didn't last two and didn't get it. Anyway, and the other guy didn't get it either. So I don't know what happened. But anyway, um, they talked about that, you know, where they just always hired ahead. They were just always looking for great people, They, you know, and they would find something for them. And I think if you've got that attitude, then you will grow into it. You know, you're almost manifesting in, you know, 2023 language. And someone said to me, I mean, I took it on board quite a long time ago. It's, 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 it's not every day that someone smart, passionate walks in to your business in hospitality and wants to work for you. Mm. So therefore, when they do, hire them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you've got a job, you don't have a job, yeah. just hire those people. Yeah. Because really, really soon you'll need them. Yeah. And and I think and, and we've we've done that, Mark, for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. Well, that's really funny. I was watching a, a documentary about XFM uh, the other the other day, and they hired Ricky Gervais. Uh and they didn't really have a job for him. This is way back before the office. And he created this role called head of speech. And it didn't really mean anything. But then obviously went on to be, you know, one of the best DJs there and, you know, and all the rest of it. And then funnily enough, I'm actually going to see him tonight um, at, uh, at Brighton Centre. Yeah, I'm really excited, actually. I'm, I'm in row two, so I'll wear something dark so he doesn't heckle me or anything. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think those values come through. So, you know, you talked about genuine and fun. Was there some others? And past community. Yeah, community. Community, community yeah, yeah. genuine fun. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Hi everyone, I'm Lucy, Head of Sales at Airship and Toggle. Hopefully you've heard of us before, but in case you're not sure what we do, let me bring you up to speed. Airship is a leading hospitality marketing CRM, supporting operators by building a better understanding of their customers' visiting habits to help them target, personalise and automate their marketing and deliver a return on investment. And Toggle, which is our gift card platform and generated a whopping £48 million for the sector in 2023 through the sale of prepaid gift cards, experiences, tickets, merchandise and so much more. I'm here to tell you a little secret though. Airship CRM have a huge update coming, which is going to change hospitality marketing in 2024, making it faster and stronger than ever before. If you want to learn a little bit more before we launch, just get in touch with me on lucy at airship.co.uk or you can visit our website to learn more about what we do for hospitality at airship.co.uk. Cool, and then... The other things I was just going to sort of touch on as well, really, was just about this employee training and development. So, you know, you're really well known for that. You've talked, you've touched on the Chestnut Academy already. Um, 
But then, you know, just in terms of that, if someone is sitting here, you know, I work for some clients at the moment and, you know, they don't really have any training in place and they're about to start on that journey. Is there any sort of tips around how you might do that as an internal thing? Do you hire some well, I think my, my starting point from all of this sort of stuff is, and it's, it's I mean, I, I said it without even thinking about it on a, an interview about a year ago, mm. and it got, got picked up on it, which is that hospitality is a passion, not a qualification. And so consequently, is your starting point from all of this is, that, do you believe that, the, 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 that some of the people you've got are passionate about you know, what you do. And if, if, if not, then, you know, all the training in the world is, 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 is not really going to help you because, you know, passion is what drives, you know, in, in this particular industry. And I think is development is passion is what drives it. So what I, so, so number one, make sure you've got people passionate about what they do before you invest in training. Uh, number two is that I think train, and we've talked about this already, but training without culture is really difficult. Yeah. You can you, otherwise you drift. You've got to have a central keel that you've got to bring everything back to, and that's in my world. That's in my the way I think about it, that's culture. Mm-hmm. Is that I try, yeah, and, and we, I, I try and incent, I, I try and encourage people. Sometimes, what do you think I would do in that situation? Knowing me, what do you think I would do? Mm-hmm. And if you think that I would do what you're about to do, and you don't, I'll never, I'll never be angry. Yeah. I would applaud that. Yeah. You know, what what really winds me up is when people don't do what I would do and they know it because they are blaming some hierarchical WhatsApp approval process or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is a, and so therefore try and try try so set that culture and so therefore you've now got a central keel around what you, how you're gonna what you're gonna build around your development. And the the, the you know, I can go on, but other things. Tr- use use training to try and create a community amongst your team. Yeah. So therefore, if you've got multiple sites, make sure you're training people from different sites together. Because mm-hmm. what's really important is that I th- I think you know I, I probably give people yeah a lot of the benefit of the doubt, which is fine. But I think there's a lot of people who are really apprehensive and quite scared of that type of environment, that training environment. And 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 yeah, you know, and, and, and hospitality tends to be an industry that captures a lot of there's a lot of fragility out there across our our workforce. And I think that there's, there's and, and I it's it's really interesting, you know, the relationships that people build when being trained together on a contemporary level basis is huge. Mm. They will seek out support from their colleagues that they wouldn't seek from the people who are delivering training. Yeah, I think that's really. I think that's very important. It's so important as well because what's great about that is you're going back to your community value. Precisely. You know. And I think that you know, and 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 I, and, I, and the other thing is take a chance on people. Give, yeah. give, give, put people in an environment where they've got a chance to to shine, and don't and don't be, and you know, and and I think that, but in terms of training and development, it's got to be set from the top. It's got to be culture. There's got to be you've got to be willing to invest. And you know the other thing that I would do, yeah, you know, if if people are worrying about investment in training and development, work out the true value of losing a team member, hiring a new person, and getting them to the point at which you need them to be do what they want to do, mm-hmm. and it will shock you what that cost is. And so, therefore, think about how you should be reinvesting an equivalent amount of money back into your team 
to improve your retention. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And just, you know, we're touching on it a little bit, but in terms of leadership and your leadership style, are you sort of aware of how you are? I mean, obviously you talk to people a lot, you're you're in the business, I mean, you're washing dishes and pulling pints if you need to and, and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, would you say you've sort of came to a certain style and, and that you feel comfortable with in leadership? Um, well, I've, I, I, I truly believe I don't have an ego within this business. In other words, it's just, you know, I don't. Um, what's I, the what's the ego outside the business? I'm interested. In that. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but as in, this is, you know, this is an environment where I feel, you know, these are my people. This is where I belong. This is, yeah. this is I feel really, you know, I, I feel very at home yeah. in the chestnut world. Um, people say I'm, I'm pretty direct, um, as in direct, as in I'm honest. If I'm right about, if I'm wrong about something, I'll admit I'm wrong. I tell people what I want. I tell people what I expect. I listen to what people want. I listen to what they expect. I do what I say I'm going to do, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the, the, probably the most apt, um, was, was, a was one of the locals at one of the pubs who, came up to me not so long ago and said, Philip, you know, you're, you're like a clock face, Philip. And I was like, oh, okay, is that good or bad? I said, is that good or bad? And he goes, no, no it's brilliant. You're basically, the, you, you talk to me the same way you talk to you know, all your posh friends and the people you work with and all the other. In other words, I think that is that I am who I am. I don't adapt myself to the people I'm with. Yeah. And I think people are very clear with me what they what, what they want, and I and I, and I and I place a huge amount of I delegate aggressively. I give I create opportunities for people. I want to I I, I you know I I I, lo- I love promoting people. I love shocking people in terms of putting them in a situation that they didn't think they were going to be in. And I think that you know lead by example. Yeah, yeah. I really I love the putting people into an uncomfortable situation perhaps where they, they've got the opportunity to shine and and i think i was uh looking at something a, a little while ago in fact it was a panel i saw and it was uh one of one of great indian chefs i can't remember where he worked it was what, cinnamon, cinnamon club maybe and he said if you make everything idiot proof all you'll get is idiots yeah. and i was like absolutely brilliant because i think with the culture and the generations we have coming through now, and it's how perhaps we treat our children and, you know, we molly coddle them and give them everything they want and all these things. But with that, he's saying, well, you know, if you just put, you know, bumpers around everything and make everything safe and easy and, you know, you're not going to get people that are striving for excellence or, or using their own initiative, you know? That's the key. That's the key. Initiative. Yeah. So if, if, you, if, you, if you design a process for the process for the process, is that you completely and utterly um, negate initiative, yeah. and only you, you then you know. So, so I, I so very early days, uh, uh, I was somewhere, and I was uh, uh, I met um, a chap who had a very big club business, which he sold, did very well out of it, and I thought, shall I shan't, shall I shan't, I, oh, why not? So I go and say, what what two pieces of advice would you give me? Mm-hmm. And he said, number one, don't build out your head office to compensate for GMs who are not doing their job. Mm. Which is a really interesting thing. Is the it which is all about initiative. The moment you start removing initiative from your GMs, 
you need a big operational overhead because you're basically doing everything remotely that they should be doing there. So that was a good piece of advice. The second piece of advice was buy plates, plates with upstanding lips going around the edge. I went, why? He said, well, because this business is all about value. Uh, uh, Vegetables are cheaper than protein. Peas at the time were the cheapest vegetables, but they fly off the plate. So if you have a plate with a lip around the edge, you can put loads of peas on it. People think they're going great. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have a share in bird's eye, did he? But it's kind of like not quite what we're, we're all about. But it was, it was very much. And, and, and the other piece of advice, he said, you are in, in pubs, you are either own zero or lots. And, you know, and I, I get that. And, and I, you know, one of the things that we, I spend a bit of time helping other people in our industry. Mm-hmm. I've got no right. I'm a, I'm a new boy. I've been doing this for 10 years, learning every day. But, you know, we, we've learned a lot in 10 years. It's the, you know, the, the people who I feel I, I, I want to help are those independent operators that run maybe one site. And they have all the same problems I have, except we've got a bigger business, which means we've got people who focus on recruitment. So I don't have head chefs and general managers trying to recruit whilst they're engaged in service. Yeah. We've got, you know, utilities. We've got people who optimize our ability to buy electricity and various other bits and pieces cheap. So we can we can mitigate our utility situation. Mm-hmm. There's a whole variety of things. And I think that one of the things that we try I try and do, and I work with a number of people, is helping people think about their business um, on an independent basis. And what do we do that's helped us that we can encourage them to do to help them? Because I think the the, 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 the continuity of the independent operator who does the right thing by their community and by them is such an important part of the fabric of this industry mm-hmm. that people like us in a position that we can help should help. And I think that that's kind of quite an important thing for me. For sure. And, and what about you, right? I mean, you're doing a lot. You've got a huge business. You've got tons and tons of people. You've got all these moving parts. How do you spend your day or your week and do you ever get time for you and you know what what's fun yeah, for yeah. you i mean i, I team i you know I, my yeah as i've always said my energy comes from people one of the great you know things is that you know i work with fantastic fantastic team i'm able to uh, yeah I, I i'm 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 perpetually you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm all about tomorrow yesterday is gone yeah. and so therefore you know and and, and I'm I'm a glass half full, so therefore you always look for the positive in a situation. Mm-hmm. And I think you know what, Mark, is that if you if you're generally a positive person in life, is that a things happen, yeah. b you make things happen, you you become a magnet for other people who share the same positive outlook on on, on life. I, I, I'm I'm a I, we talk about rains drains and radiators. I'm sure you do. Yes, all the time. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm really. I'm really bad with trains, and 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 I and I get a buzz being in a room full of radiators. I love that. I love other people's. I love other people's businesses. I love hearing about people. I love. I love witnessing other people's energy and what they've done. Um, and I love. Well, I love being able to learn from, from other people. Mm-hmm. And I think so. So so in that guys is you know what's my offshoot from this? You know, I was. Uh, I do quite a lot of photography. Oh, uh, great. And, uh, you know, and I tend to do that. I've got three Labradors and I have a busy life. And so I walk them. I was walking them at 6.30 this morning and, you know, watching the, you know, sort of the autumnal light 
big moon recently and it tends to have an impact on the sunlight in the morning mm-hmm. and you know that's time time out for me yeah. um i play quite a lot of sport i've got a great i've got great friends and you know i i, I but at the same time I, i'm not gonna lie i really really love what i do yeah. this is this is a this is part of my life this is not yeah. a job yeah no that's great to hear and also you were talking about being on the beach and things like that i mean i, I live on the front at brighton and there's just something about it, you know, like just being at the sea and connected with the sea. And, you know, it definitely is is great to just, you know, calm you, reset you. Think, you. think how insignificant things are as well sometimes, you know, when you look well, at that the, ocean, you, you know. You the same mountains. Yeah. Mountains do the same thing. Mm. Is your, yeah, when you're looking at, uh, you know, when you're looking at a vast mountain in the, you know, in the, in the Chamonix Valley, you know, sort of like, is a, in, in the insignificance of us is yeah. quite extreme. But also the other thing, and I know it's been part of your life post COVID, is is um, is, is is keeping fit. You know, I, yeah. I'm a big. I, I walk a lot, do exercise. You know, it's a massively important part of my life. If I don't yeah. do that, I, 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 I fall to pieces. Yeah, it's became it's became more important. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of I've got a little fit for fifty hashtag um, that I want to get to a certain uh, sort of weight yeah. or look or whatever. So yeah, that's uh, three years away. So yeah, I'm 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 heading towards it. I'm heading towards it. Um, so I was just thinking last couple of things as well because obviously I need to I need to let you go. Yeah. So um, just in terms of marketing the business, um, you know how challenging has it been you know in terms of how customers are trading different day parts maybe not coming out as much being price sensitive you know things like that and what sort of marketing strategies and activities have have you been putting into place lately to to try and combat that so i mean from a marketing perspective and we, we we've for quite a long time we've 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 rested on three p's which are people place and problems and so, therefore, people is that's people within our business, it's people within our communities, it's people who come to visit us, places, as you're very familiar with, we are East Anglia. Um, we're not going outside of East Anglia. We talk a lot about East Anglia and provenance. And that's that could be provenance of people, it could be provenance of product, it could be provenance of the environment. You know, it's that, that's kind of what it's all about. So, you know, we, we try and we try and so th- those are the three P's. We 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 don't want to compromise on quality, um, but we want to be accessible. And so, therefore, you've got to you're trying to uh, you're, you're trying to create an environment where people feel that you're accessible to you know whether or not you you don't have to get dressed up to come to one of our places. We use yeah. dogs a lot for that accessibility. People think if it's okay for a four legged animal to go into a pub, then it's okay for me to go into a yeah, pub. Yeah, but absolutely. Nuts make things very accessible. So, so, so that's core. And then we think about what we're trying to do from a more recently is that, of course, you, you I mean, everyone does the same thing. You do sharing things. You do, you hold the price on your core, on your core fish and chips, steak, and all the other bits and pieces. And but then you become a bit more adventurous on some of the, the, the non standard dishes. Um, you, you, you up your level of attentiveness. And so, therefore, People's, people feel more special. And so therefore we try and find ways of, you know, like the whole club chestnut thing about creating a community amongst our guests, discounts around, not discounts as in, you know, discounts to get people in, yeah. you know, discounts in reward for loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, you know, we're, we're now starting to look at, you know, the, the, you know, historically we were always seeking out brands to try and piggyback off the back of their brand, their, their brand and their database. And we're kind of getting the other way around. It's really interesting people coming to us. And I think that 
because you know, and I, you know, I, we're we're all sitting there, Mark, waiting for this downturn in consumer spending. You know, is that you know, the, there's still there's still a tremendous amount of money around. Yeah. In other words, people are still going out spending money. Now, I don't know whether or not you know people's perception of us is of, of a quality, trustworthy brand. So, therefore, are we the last thing they will give up in their going out list of stuff? Yeah. You know, celebrate I mean, birthdays, anniversaries, and celebrations still happen. Mm. We're, we're quite a chosen destination for that, so therefore we still see it. But on the other hand, is that if I was to say that our average room rate we achieved in summer, well, uh, so far in this year is less than we achieved last year, we've, we've, we've actively revenue managed ourselves to higher occupancy by, by encouraging people to stay with us, which then drives their from beast there. Yeah. So we've got a whole, so we, 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 we really don't, we, ne- we never discount food. But we will use our bedrooms to encourage people into our into our businesses, and then you do all the stuff around, you know. Well, you know, we, we we've done a lot of stuff with dogs, which you're very aware of. We've done chestnut live events where we've got live music in. You know, we've done a whole. We're trying to create in all cases. We're trying to. We, we, we've got our um, our we've got a series of talks. We've got Isabella Tree talking about rewilding. We've got who yeah. you know, go into our pubs on a Tuesday night. We'll have 40 or 50. Or we had um, uh, Lady Glen Connor, you know, the lady who's written the books. She, she was up at the Feathers about two weeks ago, filled the place. Wow. We're, we're always trying to deliver something to our guests that isn't necessarily part of what they perceive to be a normal pub offering. Yeah. So therefore, people go, eat and drink, but they get something else. And in, in a perfect world, hmm. so... We got when we were doing our music events. We got one of our suppliers to sponsor the cost of having the music there. Mm-hmm. When we're doing these community engagements, when we're doing these talks, we're getting somebody else to sponsor the cost of that person being there. Yeah. And so, therefore, from a marketing, is there is it expensive? No. Mm-hmm. Is it thinking outside the box? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of you know what we what we we try and do the whole time. Is thinking what can we use our, our, our venues for, in conjunction with our ex, with our guest expectations to marry up as we get bigger our ability to coerce someone to helping us support doing something. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to we're trying to give value that doesn't cost us any money. Well, and also just for your point about you know your last thing to go, I think it's, I guess you know for some of the clients I have as well, it's like when people go out now they have to make it count. And they're going to make it count by going to somewhere that they know is not going, never going to disappoint them. In fact, quite the opposite. So, you know, I I think you're in such a sweet spot, and there'll be so many, you know, pub operators that are, you know, inferior to you, um, that aren't that aren't doing all these things under the water, if you like, you know, and all the culture and the and that's an evergreen situation to be in you know that's never going to go it's never going to get tired it's never going to go out of fashion so and and i you know the guests the guests see it and feel it i mean i remember years ago i was in a, a sort of senior thing at prayer a meeting and we were going to do new tomatoes right and it was going to cost millions more for these new tomatoes and we went through the whole thing it's better for the customer it's better for the um the farmer it's better for the land da, 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 da. And me being the marketing guy, I'm sitting going, right, we need a big club sandwich campaign and we're going to talk about these tomatoes. And they basically shut me down and they just went, no, customers will just know. 
and it was like what like holy crap and and i think they're right you know i don't think you always have to shout really loud about all these things for customers to feel it and see it you know they're smarter than that you just go do the right thing yeah and, and i tell you what is it particularly in our industry now is a totally echo what you're saying customers are incredibly discerning mm. and i think that this is why particularly when it comes to monetizing our brand which is why i really want to make sure we do this research led and so therefore we work out what people expect of us we are not arrogant in thinking that we know what people want. And so therefore we've got to we've always got to stay ahead of the game in that respect. Yeah. No. And it's funny, I was I was on a panel the other week and we were talking about guest research and I was like, ninety nine percent of people don't do it because I think they're actually oddly scared to talk to people and even more they don't want to hear probably what the people have got to say because it will mean extra work. I totally agree. Totally. <laughs> you know, you've got to talk to people. Yeah, definitely. It's a big uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I just think it's really dangerous in, in a business to say, I think. And it's like, well, that's a straw poll of one. And, oh, but my daughter thinks as well, well, she's kind of related to you and she's 14, so I don't, you know. Um, so, you know, it's good to get a, you know, sort of rounded, rounded, uh, you know, sort of feedback, I think, you know, to, to make a good decision. Not that it should hold you back, not that it should blunt it, because again, if we took all the research we saw at Yosushi of to action, it would have became Cafe Rouge, right? If you took everything. But I think you can see nuggets of maybe where you should go plotting the stars. But the polar opposite is when Steve Jobs was asked before they launched the iPad, what market research he had done or Apple had done around the, the iPad. He said none, because people don't know what they want. We know That's true. Um, yeah, it was, very, it was very much like that at com. you know, when I was there, like Brent was very much, you know, Brent that ran it was very much um, against any kind of research. But I think in hospitality, it's not true. bad to sense checks. We're not tech business. You know? <laughs> no. Yeah, I think that, uh, you yeah, we could we can make, we can make decisions about interesting food and all the other bits and pieces. But one of the, where, where that ties into exactly what you were saying earlier on, is that people in this business hate surprises. Mm. When they're going out, they want to know what's going to happen. And I think, as I always say to the teams, the most dangerous guest is someone that you see very regularly with someone you've never seen before. In other words, they are showing off to their friend. Yeah, That is when, if we don't perform, it goes really wrong. And I think it's that, it's the old adage, you know, you, tr you treat your new guests like your old guests and your old guests like your new guests. That's exactly what it is. So when a guy comes in, you've seen him every week, treat him like you've never seen him before and he's the most important person on this planet. And that's that's how you avoid that sort of pitfall. Yeah. Or they're maybe just doing really well in online dating if they're coming in with someone new every week. I don't know. <laughs> good for them. Yeah, good for them. Um, so last thing, uh, really before a couple of fun questions was what's next for you what's next for chestnut and what do you think's next for hospitality next well in terms of we, we made an acquisition of a wine business um in the summer and we, we're building that we're, we, we're kind of we're definitely doing some downstream or some backward integration in terms of uh, we're also we've also we're now a part owner in a brewery um, as we're, we're trying to, you know, to, 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 to cobble together some of the supply, you know, not suppliers, but we want to, we want to start monetizing the capital invested in on the distribution side. And I yeah. think this is, this is where, you know, 
going from product manufacturing into distribution distribution is what owns things now so we want to we want to monetize that i think in terms of you know we we're we've we're we're not going to go outside of east anglia from a physical asset perspective we're obviously going to try and take the brand out of or despite you know nearly nearly 18 percent of our database have got non-east anglia postcodes because a lot of people travel into the region for to come to visit us We've got a number of assets that we still, you know, there's still areas of the region I don't think we're fully represented in. We need to do more around, and we've got our eyes on bits and pieces there. Um, <clears throat> so, we, so we're so key things is that you know we've got uh, is data is that we're big projects at the moment around data. You know, what should we be doing? You know, we're running, we're going to run a big thing around uh, you know birthdays. And then we're going to do a monthly birthday competition. So if you win that, you get a free birthday part of one of our properties. Wow. We're trying to improve the amount of the, the, the quality of the data we've got. So quite a lot of time spent on tech side at the moment, investing in technology in order to be able to facilitate that. We are um, trying to. We're also from a from a from a you know sort of like a product perspective. We're looking at, as I've said, we're really looking at what do our guests expect of us, and how should we be investing that. We're also looking at, you know, in terms of procurement, in terms of centralizing some of our stuff. One of the reasons we, we made the acquisition of the wine business is because they've got logistics and wheels. And we're quite a, we're quite a, you know, obviously a regional business. And, you know, in terms of, you know, sustainability, we want to reduce the amount of carbon. So therefore, if we can use our own vans, distribute our own stuff around our own properties, that reduces the number of wheel drops we're doing. And so therefore, you know, you know Having a centralized logistics business is going to start making a lot of sense for us because of our regional business. And so that's a big initiative. We're doing some work on that. Looking at you know, whether or not we should be, as part of that, creating a production kitchen, which potentially could take us into outside catering, which then gives some of our chefs the opportunity of doing like two weeks on, two weeks off. They work two weeks, nine to five, two weeks in property. So they'll create some, you know, some flex around what they're doing. Yeah. So a whole variety of stuff around that. So that's kind of we've got you know we're not we never stand still so we've yeah. got that's kind of on the on the chest of it in terms of hospitality I think that um, you know is that yeah, I I I I I remain a great believer in that you know, we're essentially pack animals and so therefore we, we we do want to come together you know the whole concept of you know during pandemic people thought that everyone was going to go down to the supermarket buy a six pack of beers sit at the end of their drive and talk to their neighbour. I've, I never bought into that, which is why we continued going and expanding during COVID. I think that there will be that. I, I, I fear a bit. You know, I think, I think, you know, sort of mediocrity won't survive. I think you either, you either got to try really hard and be really good, or you've got to provide the most incredible value for money option. I think, you know, the, 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 the discerningness of the customer means that, you know, average product with a reasonable price tag won't survive. And I think that people, I find it more and more difficult to, to buy into, you know, the the the, it's right, the story of the, the last ten years has been PE funded, you know, rollout of brand of food concept to cathedral cities in the UK. I think the consumer kind of gets that. Okay, fine, right, don't want that, yeah. you know. And and you know, I've I've often said the day we have a laminated menu across our businesses, the day I'm out of here. So in other words, you've just got to find a way of marrying and and you know and and winning the the cages award this year is that um you know one of the, the judges comments is that it's difficult enough running a business that's got multiple 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 outlets but running a business that's got multiple outlets with what appears to be multiple offering is is a layer of additional complexity and so part of our job 
is to what extent can we hide synergies? To what extent can we run our business in the back end whilst the front end looks like you know, you've got individual brand, you've got individual product, you've got individual menu, and you've got, most importantly, you've got unique soul. And soul is what the people is all about. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's, I think it's a constant mission that we as a hospitality industry have got to understand exactly to your point is that people's perception of value isn't just the price on the menu. It's the how were they treated? It's what was the engagement like with the people they came across? What does the environment feel like that they're sat in? What are the other people in that in that environment? How are they behaving? Do they have the you know all of that type of stuff? Yeah. There are multiple facets of value, and I think that you know we if you solve just to price, very dangerous. No, you're absolutely right. Okay, some quick questions before we go. Some fun ones. So, favorite city to eat in? I did the Camino walk last year. We ended up in Santiago, and we spent two or three days there. I thought northern Spain, I thought the food was off the... I love Spanish food anyway, but that's the best Spanish food I've ever had. Nice. Favourite hotel? Stayed at a place in South Africa called the Plessenberg. Five rooms um, on a cliff edge. No menus, no bar, nothing. So as you arrive there, you get told what the chef is thinking about cooking you don't have a communal table but it was like in terms of for me the ultimate relaxation is making no decisions i spent my entire life making decisions yeah so therefore if i don't have to make a decision that is ultimate relaxation nice love it favorite coffee shop oh cortado new market uh richard the coffee man used to be at whittlesford station and I used to, when I used to commute into London in my previous life, uh, one morning I was talking to him as I asked how business was going and it seemed to be more and more people at Whittlesford Station. And I was thinking about the pub, I was thinking about doing the pub business at the time. And I said, my God, all these people going to London. And he said, Philip, these people aren't going to London. This is all about intra-region commuting. And it was that one, that was one of the things I suddenly realized what was happening in this part of the world is that there's, there's a lot of business that happens within this part of the world. You're not necessarily reliant on London. So, yeah, Richard Coffee Man, Cortado Coffee Bar. Nice. Favorite bar or pub? Not one of yours? Bar more than a pub. I'd go for. So, I've got a positive memory of the evening. American Bar, the Savoy Hotel. Classic. Classic whiskey, yeah? Yeah. What? What? Scottish? No, um, whiskey, my chosen drink. Um, no, no ice, water on the side. Yeah, a spoonful of water to go in with the whiskey. Lovely. Yeah, let it live. Let it live. And then a uh, favorite restaurant? And what would you have? Well, you know, so my, my, my go to against maintaining, I'm going to go with Spanish thing, paella, probably my, one of my favorite foods, my favorite dishes because of what it represents. And so if you're going to, you know, on a, a chiringuito, one of those beach bars on a, on a beach in South Spain. Chiringuito, paella, sunshine, sea, friends. Nice. Great. Okay, listen, I'll love you and leave you. Um, it's been so great to catch up. I've just thank enjoyed you, chatting to you so much. Time. Yeah, that uh, was brilliant. Well, thank you very much. It's been, uh, you know, I, I love talking to you. And, I, and, 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 you know, big, big hats off to you. I, you know, so when we met a long time ago, 
and then seeing what you did in terms of hospitality rising, we're a supporter, yeah. seeing what you've done on the judging side, seeing what you've done from a personal perspective in terms of grabbing hold of your own health situation, doing what you've done, massive, massive admiration for you. you you're a great source of energy that I find within your sort of business. So thank you for, your, for, for being part of it as well. Well, bless you. Thanks so much. I will take that in. Um, and also, uh, big love to Tori and, and Charlie as well. And Thank thanks you. to Charlie for, for setting this up. So it's been a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. All right. Take care, Mark. Thank you. Bye. So there we go. The positively effervescent Philip Turner, who's the founder of Chestnut Group. Just amazing to hear all the great initiatives that are going on and it really is about people first. People before anything, never mind profit. So people in his own business, people in the community, future people that might want to come in and work with Chestnut. So all I can say is more power to you, Philip, and I hope that Tori, Charlie and all the Chestnut Group team are all doing well and prosper in 2024. Thanks so much for spending time with me and hopefully we can get a wee pint of bitter at some point. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.